Casey just clear with Damien St. Pierre. We have a jam-packed show as always for you. We uh, got some NBA talk that'll be coming up a little bit, um, probably about 10-15 minutes from now. We also got a lot of fighting to break down for you. It was a very, very busy fight weekend. We're going to talk about uh, some of the amateur bouts that went on in Homa, Louisiana. Damien was there. He's going to give us a rundown of that. Richie Mott will be on the phone to talk about that as well. We now officially have a pay-per-view price for the Floyd Mayweather-Conor McGregor bout. There's an interesting headline about Floyd Mayweather in ESPN today. We're going to discuss that as well. Um, Big wrestling going on as well. Uh, Elite Championship Wrestling had a show last night, and then uh, WWE pay-per-view was last night. We're going to have Mustang Mike Beetle on the phone lines to promote a show that uh, he has this weekend. Jerry the King Lawler is going to be in Morgan City. So there's a whole lot going on, but we're going to start with uh, the LSU football Tigers. Uh, They had their portion of media day today at SEC media day. That'll be going on throughout the week over in Alabama. Um, Coach O was on the podium. He was, um, it it, it was a very symbolic uh, changing of the guard. Les would get up there on the podium and really say a whole lot of nothing for his 30 minutes of a lot of time. He would talk about vacations and talk about everything other than football. It was really a 30 minute stand up comedy act, but, Today, Coach O got to the meat and potatoes pretty quickly. He talked about his team and how he thinks the Tigers are going to fare in the next season. Um, I guess one of the, the points of contention, he talked very heavily about his offense. Um, there were a couple of things that stand out to me. I'm going to give them uh, give them to you now. Damien is, he said that Danny Etling is not yet officially LSU's starting quarterback, but he said if we had to play a game today or tomorrow, whatever the exact quote was, he would be the starter, meaning that he is going to take the lead into fall camp. And I've seen a couple of different lines of logic on social media about that. The first is, well, you know, hey, maybe Etling is looking pretty good after the injury. The second is, well, if your fifth-year senior has not yet clinched the job, then maybe he's not looking very good, and maybe that's why they're keeping things open for the freshmen who are on the roster. What are you? What were your thoughts as you saw Coach O say, "Yeah, he's the he's the starting quarterback." Uh, sort of. I mean, it made me a little bit nervous. What were your thoughts as you saw that? Yeah, being a fifth year senior, he should have the the range by this point. But I like the fact that the competition is still open. It kind of gives the backups a little bit of uh, a little bit of a little bit of room. To say, look, you know, Coach hadn't given given that spot away. I'm going to continue working hard and, and trying to get maybe if maybe seen a little bit more in practice or a little bit more in workouts and I'll have my shot at being the, the first string guy the, that's the one thing I'm actually going to miss about coach miles is <laughs> or his interviews that that was one of the better things that he did I think towards the end of his career he did a lot better job behind the microphone than he did on the sideline uh, a couple of things coach O talked about that stood out to me talked about offensive coordinator Matt Canada and he talked Very about candid. yeah and Talked about him being a team player, and he talked about running a balanced offense. That is something that excites me, and it, it's new to us because we haven't seen it in, in years. And 
talks about installing a whole new offense, and, and you know they gelled well and had a, had a great spring. That to me, that that's the most, that's the biggest thing that Coach O talked about. And I'm just giddy about actually having an offense that it's not three yards in the cloud of dust. Well, the the problem with the Les Miles offense in the last few years is that it was losing three yards in a cloud of dust at the end of his reign, trying to run those dives and those sweeps and. One thing that I thought was interesting, it was, it was really a breath of fresh air in talking about Matt Canada. He, um, he said, you know, look, I, I went to Canada when we were interviewing him for the job, and he you know, was asked, Canada was, what type of quarterback you need us to have? To which he said the answer that I think any good coach would say, which is, I don't care. You get me a quarterback, you know, whatever style, we'll make it work. And I think that that was good because I think, look, too often in college football you have these guys that – pigeonhole themselves into a stir, uh, into a certain style of football to where you need a run threat, a dual threat guy, or you need a pocket passing guy. I'll give you an example. Um, Michigan, when, when they had Rich Rodriguez, Ryan Mallett was a verbal commitment to Michigan, and Rich Rodriguez said, nah, man, we're good. You know, we run a spread out set. We don't need you. He ended up going to Arkansas having a great career, so I'm glad to hear that Matt Canada is not going to be one of those guys that's only going to want a certain type of player. He just wants some talented ball players that could go out and win games. Right? That that was good to hear, and um, that LSU offense is is not going to necessarily be the same every year. It's going to evolve based on the personnel. I think you have to do that as a coach. I think in 2017 that is the only way that you could be successful, because I listen. I'm a big fan of old school coaching and old school coaching discipline, and and uh, but it's getting to the point today. You have to wrap your system around what you have. You. It's almost to the point where kids specialize in, in certain aspects of the game and cer even just certain sports and then certain aspects in that sport that once they get somewhere, they they get to a certain uh, system, they can't run that anymore. They're just not tuned. They weren't trained for it. And coaching is getting harder and harder being able to wrap your system around your players and not adapting your system for the players that, that you're cur you currently have. So one thing that Coach O uh, was talking about as well today is he gave an update on Arden Key, who was, you know, of course, had the shoulder injury and surgery. He said Arden is not going to be healthy for the start of camp in a couple of weeks. Did not all the way rule out that he'd be ready for the opener against BYU. But, I mean, you could read sort of between the tea leaves. He's not going to be available for the start of camp. At the very least, he's likely going to be limited at the beginning of the season, if not miss some time. Um, so I guess that would be a big blow, as Coach O said, look, I think the key's one of the best defensive players in the country, and there's no doubt that he is. And it would be a shame to see you know, him have to miss some time in a junior year, which could potentially be a very prosperous year for him financially. Hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's going to be a big part of the LSU defense. There are certain players that I just, kinda, I just enjoy watching, and I'll find them pre-snap, and Arden Key was one of those guys. He's just a big-time playmaker. And uh, – Coach O compared him to uh, you know to the, to the Texas A&M defensive line. What's, what's the name? I just slipped my that just got drafted. Uh, Miles Garrett. Garrett. Miles yeah. Garrett, uh, saying that you know he could possibly be he could possibly be better than Miles Garrett, and I think that's a definite possibility if he gets in uh, or out of whatever issue he's having right now and gets in gets back on the field and gets into practice. One thing that that really excited me because look, you know I'm, I'm a sort of an LSU pessimist by trade. You know, I, the last few years have, have kind of made me that way. Nah. <laughs> um, looking at the schedule today, as, as, as the media day quotes were coming out, I was kind of studying the team, studying what they're up against. 
and it really sort of clicked to me finally that man they this team does have some stars that are kind of aligning for them and, and I'll explain what I mean by that is you got a guy who is a first-year head coach you got a guy who is a first-year offensive coordinator who is revamping the way that this team plays offense you got a defense that though it's the second year under Dave Aranda it is the first year with this group together because they lost a lot of guys off of last year's defense let me read to you the first five games LSU is going to play BYU which yeah they're pretty tough Chattanooga Mississippi State Syracuse and Troy that's the first month of your season and only one of those games, the Mississippi State game, is away from Tiger Stadium. The BYU game is a neutral site game. So this team, I think, is going to need a little bit of time to gel, and I think they're going to play better in November than they will in September. But I think they have a schedule that will allow them to get through whatever growing pains that they may have. And I think that the schedule actually sets up pretty nicely. It sucks having to go to Florida and Alabama. That sucks. There's no doubt about it. But I think that if they could, you know, sort of gel in that first month or so, they got a chance to maybe do some special things. And Coach O will better silence a lot of critics in those first four games because, well, you know, the, the stigma with Les Miles is he plays down to his competition. If Coach O could get through that BYU game and then go ahead and take care of business those next three games against, in my opinion, subpar teams and look impressive doing that, I think that'll get a lot of the critics off of his back and, and that'll be early in the season. That'll help, that'll help uh, chemistry, that'll help maybe get the media off his back a little bit more and be able to focus on uh, the tougher stretch of the, of the schedule. That's right. And and one of the things, and we're, we sort of spent this segment contrasting some of the differences in a Coach O media day versus a Les Miles media day. One big thing that was changed today that, that I thought was noticeable was, well, first off, did you see the suit that Darius Geis wore today? He wore a pink suit with a Carolina blue undershirt. He was, he was jazzed out. And then another thing was, at these media days, and really as a whole, Les would always sort of veer back from the the talk of the star player. He would call Leonard Fournette number seven. He would, you know, he would always kind of old school guy. throw water on that kind of talk. Coach O came out today and said, "Look, Darius Geis is our best player. We're going to go as far as Darius Geis takes us. We think he's going to have a potentially award-winning season." Now that part of it, some of that was said on the local radio stations and not when he was at the podium, but. The, the embracing of, hey, we've got a larger-than-life star here in college football. We're going to embrace that. I think that that's going to actually be good for the Tigers because I know this. If I'm a four- or five-star player at home and I'm thinking about where I want to play my college football and I'm seeing the love that Coach O gave guys today, I'm thinking, you know what? I would love to go play for a guy who got my back like this guy has Geis' back. I thought that was a, an interesting wrinkle and a difference because you would have never seen Les A let him wear the pink and blue bright suit and then B refer to him, hey, he's the best player on our team. we got to go as far as he leads us. That's a shift in, in I guess, coaching philosophy. And, and that's a way that Coach O can adapt from being that old school, uh, disciplined type of guy that Les Miles was. and this, uh, He's kind of the gap in the new school guy and the old school guy. And, I like to fit myself in that in that routine as well, but you can kind of uh, you respect the discipline aspect of the game, but at the same time, you you got to be uh, a little bit more friendly towards I guess towards the kids and not just run them into the ground. And you're talking fashion to me right now. You're talking to a guy <laughs> that's wearing a uh, white and blue Hawaiian shirt button now. White and blue Hawaiian shirt with what appears to be basketball shorts. I'm I'm digging it, man. I'm gonna be the DTB uh, Wyatt family member. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that, I, I, I'm liking your game right now, man. Listen, I am I'm officially getting old. I'm about to turn 34. It's past time that I'm worried about fashion. I'm done. I'm, I'm button downs, comfortable. I'm in sandals. I feel like uh, Shoop from summer, summer School in that movie. Look that up. Put that in your Google machine. I, I turned 30 20 days ago today. Not that I'm counting or anything. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I feel that. And, uh, yeah, if I wouldn't have just been coming from work, I would not be wearing a Hawaiian shirt, but I'd be much more comfortable than I am now. But, um, That's one your fashion talk by just Claire and Sapia. <laughs> Whatever, listeners, we still have <laughs> left. We could keep the LSU train going. W- one thing that the message board guys are always freaking out about is, oh, man, we lost Duke Riley. We lost Kendall Beckwith. You know, what linebackers does LSU have? Coach O did talk about that today. He said – we need to go out and recruit three of the best middle linebackers in the country, and I think we did that. He talked about some of the signees while also touting Donnie Alexander and some of the weight gains that he has made. And another guy he talked up was Devin White, who I saw in the spring game. I thought he looked outstanding. Um, I don't know that the linebacker thing is what it's made out to be, and I'll tell you why. And it's not just you know blind optimism, but I went back and watched some of LSU under Dave Aranda. Um, in a conventional defense, you need four linebackers if you run a 3-4 or three if you do a 4-3, whatever. But I saw LSU do a lot of 4-2-5, um, extra defensive backs instead of extra linebackers on the field to match up. And they got a lot of those hybrid safety outside linebacker type of guys. I don't know that they need four or five you know, wonderful bodies at that position. I think that they'll be okay with what they have. Now, do you think that was to cover, maybe cover up some of the, the uh, depleted resources we had at linebacker maybe so because and look our obviously we're dbu so we have strength in our secondary so maybe to bring an extra guy on the field uh that can make a play and just i think maybe we'll see a being that we had a recruiting class under coach o and Aranda kind of knowing his personnel a little bit more i think we'll see a few more linebackers on the field at, uh, for next season yeah i think so i think that that's going to be something that um that lsu fans can maybe relax a little bit and wait till the season starts before we all the way panic there now um, Coach O, uh, the, of course, this was not the first time that he took the podium at SEC Media Days. He's been an SEC coach before. He talked about his time at Ole Miss and how he was grateful for that opportunity and uh, also talked about how, you know, he learned a lot from that. And I know that you and I have uh, talked a little bit, you know, on radio outlets and, you know, on and off the air together about – you know, hey, look, this guy fell on his face at Ole Miss, but and and even Coach O said it today. Since that time, I'm 12 and four as a head coach, coaching at USC, coaching at LSU. Along the way, he's got victories against you know Stanford and Arizona State, and I believe they maybe beat Notre Dame when he was at USC this past year at LSU. He beat Ole Miss, Arkansas, Texas A&M. He beat the Heisman Trophy guy. So, you know, I guess kind of looking at it from a boxer's perspective, sometimes you see these guys early in their career. They're not ready. They take fights they shouldn't take, but then they kind of settle in. I think Coach O's in that period now where he's a much better coach now than what he was then, and I think it's almost a little bit unfair to judge him for a job that, quite frankly, he would probably admit now he wasn't ready for at Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I totally I totally know where you're coming from with that. You notice what I avoided saying right there. Yes, right? I did. Uh, I think he was in over his head a little bit. I think he took it, like you said. I think he took a job a little bit too soon. He, I think he learned big time at uh, at USC. Learned what not intern. to do. Yeah, yeah. He learned exactly. He learned what not to do. And I think he comes here, uh, LSU. This is obviously his dream job. Uh, as a, everybody here, well, not gonna say everybody, but ninety percent of 
you know our, our region in in the tri parish area big coach big lsu f- fans coach o grew up like that and especially in our area i i think he, he got it right this time i think the right hire was made you know he's got a lot of critics i'm, I'm gonna give him that but i'm gonna i'm gonna support him uh until, until his days are, are gone so we'll see the tigers got about a month and a half before we get real serious about some playing some football games here it's july 10th august 10th uh one month from now they'll be you know, very much into fall camp and preparing for the season. We'll be with them every step of the way. But we're shift here before our first break. Talk some NBA Summer League. Um, there's been a lot going on. And, and I got to tell you, man, I've been fascinated by some of the things that I've been seeing. Um, we'll talk some Pelicans in a minute. But uh, to see the crowds um, in Vegas when the Lakers are playing, uh, like them, love them, hate them, don't like them, whatever it may be, this Lonzo Ball is a draw. He is selling out this building. I don't know if they're there to see the dad. I don't know what they're there to see or whatever it may be. He's played okay. He had a triple-double, kind of a garbage triple-double, but he, didn't, he shot very poorly in his second game. But either way, like the, the whole marketing plan is starting to pick up a little bit of steam. People are genuinely interested in seeing what this kid could do on the floor. It's a spectacle. You, you almost It's, it's like, a, uh, like a fire. Or uh, what what they call that bottlenecking in a, uh, on a traffic accident? You have to slow down. You have to watch. You have to look. You out. just want to. You just want to see what's going on. Maybe what's going to happen. If a bad call goes uh, against against uh, Ball uh, Lonzo Ball, does his dad come out the stands and, and question the officials, or does he run to the score table? You know, like what? You never know what's going to happen. It'll be look. You end up on Monday Night Raw. And look, the next week you're selling out the the, the Thomas and Max Center. I love the back and forth between Lavar and Joel Embiid because I'm just waiting for Joel Embiid to get injured while tweeting back Lavar Ball. Um, but you know, jokes aside, one of the the interesting storylines, and we will talk a little bit about the Pelicans now, is um, this is a team that look they they know up front that a lot of the guys that are out here playing summer league are, are not going to make this roster. Um, I think Diallo, and we'll talk about him in a minute, he's going to make the team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Quinn Cook is playing really well. Um, it's a shame. I think with it, the Pelican fans sort of got uh, cheated out of, the, out of the summer league a little bit with Frank Jackson not being able to play. But um, what are your thoughts, I guess, as you're watching those guys play? I know they took one on the chin today. They're now 0-3. They, they got blown out today by the Nets. But Quite frankly, I would expect that. The Nets have a lot of guys on their summer league roster that they're expecting to play big minutes. And um, so I, I don't know. I guess what are some of your thoughts as you've been watching them so far this summer? I, I wish I would have got a chance to watch before we came in here just to see. Uh, I know you mentioned uh, Czech Diallo getting hurt. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to steal your line. Just go ahead. He's now officially a Pelican, folks. He's injured. He's That's, on the injured list. That is that is depressing to me. Just watching the, the opening tip and the first five or six possessions, first off, we have no control. I don't know. Uh, we're just kind of going back up up and down the floor. I guess we're just kind of wide open, and maybe that's what Gentry is wanting right now. I know he's not coaching the squad, but one thing I saw, uh, Czech Diallo did not get a ton of minutes in college. He didn't get a ton of minutes in high school. He took the game up late. He's developed a jump shot. Yeah. Uh, I think he could come in and do some – I think he would come in and help out, uh, be a spark off the bench. He's a big-time energy guy. His defense is, is nice. He can block shots. He rebounds. He can finish around the rim. And from a big man, that, that's kind of what you want. If you got if you got to sit Davis or uh, and our cousins, and you could bring Check Diallo in the sub, that'll help out. Bring some energy. You might even get Demarcus Cousins to run up and down the floor, not just walk. Uh, Quinn Cook, the little bit that I saw, 
<sighs> I think being that he's a he's a Duke guy, I, I don't give him the benefit. Of the, I don't give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, he takes some wild, crazy shots, but look, he he hit some. Uh, the other the second game, he went 12 from 18 from the field. It, I just don't give him that. Uh, really like to see uh, Frank Jackson, our our draft our draft selection, but he is going to be out the entire summer league rehabbing an injured foot. And look, he's out, checks out. There's, I don't know. After that, you got guys on message boards complaining that Diallo and Cook are getting too many minutes. They want to see other break. people. How many? That that's ridiculous. I, I don't. People complain to complain. I know a lot of people say we complain about everything, but if you complaining about guys that get zero minutes, getting minutes in the summer league, we got we got problems. Yeah, if you're complaining about the rotation in the summer league game, yeah, that that's that's a big problem. And, and here's something about Diallo and. Man, people tell me all the time that I beat up on Boogie Cousins too much. I'm too hard on Boogie Cousins. And, and look, it's not really that I don't like the guy or whatever. I just don't think that he necessarily fits Anthony Davis's skills very well because Davis likes to be outside of the paint. So, you know, you and I coach basketball together. The It's very effective when you have a high-low with your post and you have one guy that likes to play high, the other likes to play low. And if both guys are trying to be behind the three-point line, that doesn't work as well. So – I, I, I like Diallo's game, and I'm, I'm higher on him than I am on most, just in that I think Davis needs that guy who's willing to get his elbows dirty and, and do some of that dirty work and push and shove a little bit, get those rebounds and bang around a little bit. Almost reminds me a little bit of, you know, um, Carl Landry type, just that bruising big guy. One of my favorite players ever. You just described him to a T, Reggie Evans. Reggie Evans, yeah, that's, that's a really good example of that. And, and – so, yeah, I, I, I would like to see him make the team. I'd like to see him stick around. But um, I guess you know, putting a bow on the Pelicans talk here, they, we're, we're still very much into free agency here. We're to the scrap heap. There's about nothing left. Um, is the roster that we're going to see on opening day pretty much what we have in place now? Uh, listen, I, I don't want to go on record and say yes, but it's not, it's not looking very good right now. I just don't see many moves coming. I don't see the want to make many moves coming, and it, that's really, really depressing me at this point. The Twitter trolls are, are like to convince you that a big trade is about to happen, to which I say, what do the Pelicans have that another team would want in a trade? So I, I don't know. I, I think they may make a minor move. I don't know if there's anything big, like all these talks of Eric Bledsoe and everything. What do the Pelicans have that they could get Eric Bledsoe with? No one wants Solomon Hill. No one wants Etwan Moore. You know, not for an Eric Bledsoe trade. And listen, part of that, getting rid of, of uh, Solomon Hill, he has a terrible contract for right. what he's able to give us on the court. I, nobody, we're the only people that would have paid that. So nobody else is going to want to want to take care of that. It's unbelievable. So I guess wrapping up some summer league thoughts. Is it unanimous here at the table that Tatum is probably the favorite to win Rookie of the Year? He's looked unbelievable for Boston, and he makes that trade with every summer league game that he plays. He makes that trade look better and better because they may have gotten the best player at number three and also gotten another pick in the future out of it. You have to love what the Celtics are doing. You have to love what Brad Stevens does in the in game, uh, in 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 the game situations. That's a fun. That that is easily my second favorite team. I'm not gonna go against the Pels because I'm not really go, um, not really that guy that goes against the hometown teams because I want to see them succeed for our for, for our economy. Um, I, I really like what the what the Celtics are doing. Actually, out of all people, uh, if anyone knows my grandfather, he's not a big basketball fan, but that's who we grew up watching. The Celtics. The Celtics. Larry, he's a big time Larry Bird fan. So. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and one thing about those guys is, 
we get all the talk about Tatum. Man, Jalen Brown's really coming along too. He's he's playing really well this summer. So you throw those two thumpers in there with Thomas and Hayward and Horford. I mean, they've got a core that I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Cleveland. Cleveland beat them soundly in the playoffs. But they're getting onto the doorstep now of really being a contender. Let me tell you something. If you are currently listening listening on the Podbean app, which you should, go download the Podbean app and search for one more round and subscribe to us. You could uh, go on your phone right now and Google Jalen Brown dunk. And I promise you, you're going to be yeah. very impressed in the, high, the last highlight from uh, yesterday's summer league game. I'm pretty sure you put two people on a post at the same exact time. No doubt. We are on Twitter at one O-N-E underscore more round. We're going to take our first commercial break. When we get back, we are going to talk some boxing. We're going to have Richie Mott on the line. You guys saw some amateur fights. I saw some headlines about Floyd Mayweather and some UFC things. We're going to talk some fighting here a little later in the show. We're going to talk some wrestling. We're going to have Mustang Mike Beetle on. They've got a big show coming on, uh, coming up this weekend at Morgan City. Jerry the King Lawler's coming to town. So we'll uh, have Mustang later in the show, but we got boxing out of this break. You're listening to One More Round. We'll be right back after this. If you're in the market for a screen-printed vinyl t-shirt, sports apparel, embroidery, or much more, please visit Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company in Golden Meadow. They have all your clothing needs. Go visit Nick and all the guys out there. They're going to do a wonderful job. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company out in Golden Meadow. They're open five days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Again, that's Down the Bayou Design Studio and Clothing Company. Give them a ring, 985-475-7700. And welcome back to one more round. Casey just clear here with Damien St. Pierre. Uh, in the first segment, we talked some LSU and some uh, NBA Summer League and then New Orleans Pelicans. Now we'll shift to uh, something that's near and dear to both of us, and that is the world of boxing. Um, There's a lot going on locally and nationally. We'll we'll start local. We had uh, Rance Ward and Justin Verdon on the show last week, and they were talking about their amateur show, which was this weekend in Homa. It's my understanding that you were able to attend that show. Uh, I had, had some other things going on. wasn't able to make it out there, but from what I hear, our guy Rance Ward, Damien, was in a very awkward situation, a situation that as you were telling me about it off the air, I don't know that I've ever heard of. I've never, I don't know that I've ever heard this type of thing happen uh, you know, at, at a show before. So I guess give us the rundown of what our buddy had happened to him on, the, on Saturday. So uh, ju- I want to give a shout-out real quick to Justin Verdon, who hooked us up uh, with, some, with some passes to get in and go check out the fights. They have 14 fights altogether, uh, most of the local guys. Uh, did win, including some of the guys Justin talked about. Evan Prazian, I saw him walking around with a trophy. Uh, Chaz Verdon also w- uh, won his bout. They had 14 fights altogether. Well, the 13th fight was the fight that everyone came to see, Rance Ward and Q Randall. Uh, it was a good fight. Both guys are, are experienced fighters. They have good skill. Rance Ward talked about coming in here and trying to not be too cocky and let his hands go. I thought he did a good job of doing that. 
Uh, he let his hands go for the most part. I thought he landed the cleaner, more effective punches. Uh, and so did the ring announcer and everybody else in the crowd because they ended about into the third round. They announced him as the winner of the bout. Well, then the next fight came on, and in between the introductions, the announcer came on and said, "We have a uh, discrepancy in I'm the scorecard." I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I was, yeah, I was waiting for your boy to come out. <laughs> and they went ahead and rewarded uh, awarded the bout to Q Randall, which it was a close fight. It was a it was a I was surprised at that. I didn't think they would be at that level. Uh, you know, I didn't really know either one of them's experience level. I just didn't have that much anticipation in that going into that bout. But both guys, I thought, fought pretty good. They had a good crowd. Uh, Justin always does a good job. You know, they had professional ring announcers. They had the, the DJ set up. Uh, Steven Lyons, a guy we had on a couple podcasts ago, had one of his first fighters fighting his debut fight. He came out and he was he was looking pretty awkward. I gotta admit in the first round, but after that, when he sat down, you could kind of see uh, everything kind of slowed down a little bit for him. He came out in that second and third round and, and did pretty well. He did, he wasn't on the winning end of the bout, but he he made him he made himself uh, he made himself look pretty good in that second and third round. So uh, talking about Rance Ward a little bit, um, you've scouted fighters before and, and you've you know had to grade guys and who you think you know is going to succeed or thrive and and. Tell me a little bit about him as a prospect. Can he have a career doing this professionally? How far can he go kind of thing? I, you know, I saw him fight MMA before. I've not seen him really, really box much. Um, Justin actually believes that he's better MMA than boxing. And he thinks he's good at both, but he kicks pretty well. It's kind of long, and that, that kind of is conducive to, to MMA. What are some of the, the, the strengths that this young man has whenever he's in the ring? He's slick. He's very slick, and... In my opinion, he probably and this is my like I've been around boxing a long time. It's one of my one of my favorite sports. Uh, it was my passion at a time. But it looks like he has about ten to fifteen amateur boxing fights. Um, and listen, I, I I'm not getting on here to just try to be a, a positive Paul. You know, I'm gonna right. if you ask me a question, I'm gonna tell you the honest answer. He has a little ways to go. Yeah, uh, he's. Right now, he's not at a championship level. Can he fight professionally? Absolutely. I think he'll he'll be a pretty decent amateur uh, professional fighter. And if he sticks with his amateur game a little bit longer, he has a guy uh, that did well in the amateur rank, Justin Martinez. I saw in his corner. Justin's uh, he works in in the extreme boxing gym. He does a good job. He was a good fighter, in, you know, when when he was going. So he knows what he's doing. He's got some good people around him with Justin Verdon as well as part of his team. He can be there. He's not there yet. But I think he can do something uh, in the in the professional boxing game if that's what he chooses to do. And before we move on um, to this, if you go find Victor Hernandez on Facebook, mm-hmm. he had uh, the only knockout of the night. He usually fights at 132 pounds, and he went up to fight at 147 pounds just to get a fight. And the guy that he fought uh, was from New Iberia. His arms were one of those guys that just has the reach like it almost feels like he could scratch his toes without bending his knees, you know that right, type of right, guy. Right. And Victor's a smaller guy. If uh, Victor is from from Lafouche Parish, uh, he started in my boxing gym. I had his first twelve fights. He's aggressive. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of like a shark. If you smell, if you see blood in the water, he's attacking. Well, the guy was kind of getting the best of him to start the bout because he was long, and Victor was having trouble getting inside his reach. Well, the guy made a mistake, left his hands down, backed up straight, and Victor caught him with a hook that dazed him. Uh, and Victor saw the blood in the water and attacked. And before the referee could step in and stop the bout, Victor landed two or three more shots. But 
Victor's going to be one of those guys. And, and look, and I'll be honest again. I'm not trying to be. I'm not going to just be positive because he's he's a local guy and he's a buddy of mine. He has the ability to do something. He's not there yet, and if he can keep his head on right, I believe he has the power to be able to be a very successful professional fighter. But he needs to stick with what he's doing and believe in the people that are behind him right now. Yeah, and we talked um, the last show that we that we discussed in boxing about how, you know, in the the sport has changed so much to where. If you just have that ability to be entertaining, you can make some pretty decent money. And having that big power punch is something that folks find entertaining. So that's good to hear. And congratulations to him on getting that victory. I actually saw that fight on Facebook. And, yeah, you're right. Whenever things started to turn his way, uh, it was definitely uh, over and over in a hurry. And I want to thank Justin and those guys for uh, for all the access that they've given us. We're going to have he and his folks on any time that they promote a show. They're good to us. And, then you know, we'll continue to be good to them. But nationally boxing has been in the headlines today and it this actually took me a little bit by surprise um today i was sitting at work and twiddling my thumbs and and getting ready to to eat some some lunch and i saw the headline that floyd mayweather jr was uh is is apparently he owes the fbi or the fbi what am i saying the irs (laughs) wrong three letter uh wrong three letter government agency he owes the IRS um, some some cash, uh, you know, back taxes or you know owes them just taxes in general, and uh, his team's response to the IRS was, um, you know, look, w- w- we got you, you know, we- we'll pay you, but we gotta wait until after this fight against Conor McGregor. To which there was a firestorm on social media. People love to hate Floyd. People love to say bad things about Floyd. And then there was the the logic or the thought process of well. Is Floyd fighting this fight at age 40 because he is out of money and needs a little cash? Now, this is a guy that he's made a ton of money in his career, but at the same time, he's also spent a ton of money in his career. He's got a million cars and houses, and he likes to go to Vegas and drop a million dollars on games. And, you know, there there is the ability to possibly go through some money quickly in this guy's DNA. So as you're seeing this happen, what were your thoughts? And, and I guess what was your, your thought process hearing that, Hold on, Mr. IRS. I gotta, I gotta take a little time here before I give you your cash. You gotta, you gotta realize something here. Floyd is not gonna uh, do a quick. Oh, uh, I don't know. I'm not a big tax guy, nor do I want to be. A quick form, like you and I could go out and do a 1040 easy. No turbo tax. Yeah, he's not H&R get, block. No, you gotta realize he's got a gym. He's got a promotional company. He probably has about 10 businesses, which probably sub about 10 more businesses. And when you're dealing with that much money, and then then you go and you deal, he's a gambler, and it's, he's that's a well-known fact that he is not afraid to put a few a few hundreds of thousands of dollars on a game or on a fight or, or any any in in that realm of, of, of the world. So how much of that you got to claim? How much cash do you have when your mattress are hidden in a wall at this point? It it takes some time when you're dealing with that many zeros. And look, I do not have that luxury because I would probably be doing the same thing. <laughs> but there's, there's more than just you and I just going to fill out a 1040 easy form. After, if, if that even is the correct <laughs> form. I'm, I'm throwing that out there like I'm an accountant. After the um, Pacquiao fight, he was the same guy who on social media posted a picture of his $100 million check, which was verified by all the, you know, the sports business guys as being authentic. So... We know if for nothing else, in the last two or three years, he's been given $100 million for one fight. That's not counting 
promotions and other things that he's doing that he may or may not be making money with. And he's obviously had tons of prize fights throughout his career. So the idea that the guy is suddenly out of money, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. Um, but it, it is interesting nonetheless because this is the same guy that claims to always be walking around with 5 or $10 million in briefcases with him and everything. I don't know how much he could possibly owe, but it seems like something that could have maybe gone away a little quicker than it has if he would have wanted it to be that way. But Floyd Mayweather never really takes the easy way out of anything, does he? No, and he, he's not broke. Uh, let, let's just be honest with ourselves there. He is not broke. He, he just got to figure out how to funnel what money he wants to claim into what business. Because, look, even though you get a hundred – what was that? What did you just say? A $100 million check? Yeah. Who was that written to? Was that written to him personally? Is that you know he's got managers he's got to pay. He can't claim all that income. He's got to build that. That goes to different places. It takes time. And look, you got a, one of the best boxers to ever grace the planet, and you're going against an MMA fighter, and you got that in the back of your mind. And if you have that luxury to say, hey, look, I'm going to train, and then I'm going to pay you, I would take advantage of that as well. Yeah. So that's just something to keep an eye on. It's an interesting wrinkle. Um, in a fight that's going to have tons of wrinkles before August, whenever those two lock horns. Now, we finally got a couple of, uh, of pieces of information about this bout um, here in the last 24 hours, is we finally got the price that uh, consumers are going to have to pay to watch the Mayweather-McGregor fight. It was released today by Showtime that that bout will be on pay-per-view for $99.99. That's 99 period, 99 so practically $100 for the fight. Which is, I mean, that's sort of what we said it was going to be here in some of our other shows. Do you think that's a good bargain or a good value for, for watching these two guys lock horns in the ring? No. No. <laughs> uh, not not at all. Not at all. I, it's going to be a one-sided affair, but look, we talked about that earlier. You see a wreck on the side of the road or on the interstate. You're going to watch it. You're going to look. How much are you going to pay to look? That is a circus. It's a car wreck. It's something that everybody has some type of interest in. It's the same thing. And, look, I don't know how long. We might have some loyal listeners that listen to us uh, on, on Sports Corner on ESPN. We talk about it all goes back to professional wrestling. You got the good guy. You got the bad guy. That's what makes fights. That's what makes interest. That's what builds That's what builds the world. People always – we always got the good guy against the bad guy. This is the ultimate, the ultimate good guy versus bad guy. The ultimate style, different styles, and I would have I would have set that price at that exact same thing. But you can get you a deal, Casey. Okay? So I got you a good deal. Okay. For ten dollars less, I, I could get you to fight in standard definition. Oh God, I'd rather pay the extra ten bucks if I'm committing that fully. Um, now, have we learned our lesson? Um, you know, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight was ninety nine ninety nine, and it I not mistaken broke some records and you know it was very heavily consumed everybody saw it everybody bought it it allowed Mayweather to get that 100 million dollar check plus more that we talked about just a minute ago have we learned our lesson the undercard is going to be trash we know that that's a, a stalwart thing of a Mayweather card the undercard is going to be bad he doesn't want to share the money with the gate with anyone else and that's cool um is this going to be one of the biggest grossing fights in terms of pay-per-view buys, or do you think people are sort of learned their lesson and they're not going to consume this as heavily as we did maybe the Pacquiao fight or some of the others? I think they're going to go ahead and get it. I just A lot of people are going to double up. Yeah, we might even have a one-more-round studio party for that night. We may, we, hey. may, we may have our grand opening uh, meet and greet. Think people want to meet us? 
Yeah, depends where. Depends <laughs> if we're buying there. the fight, I think more people would want to meet us. We may have to hook up with a local business. Ching ching. There you should go. Melo put that in a uh, cha ching uh, soundbite right there. <laughs> no, but I think people are gonna get it. It, it. Again, you have to watch this. You're not. You're not gonna want to watch just highlights of this. It, it's it's something that everyone wants to see, and something that people are gonna pay to see. And if it's look, we said this before. If it's worth it, you're gonna pay for it. Just like an overpriced NBA player. Don't blink because you might miss it. I don't know how long it's going to go, but it's going to go for $99.99. Now, we uh, talked some boxing, obviously. Now, I want to talk a little bit UFC uh, for a second. Um, you and I are pretty tough on those guys from time to time, but we also give credit where it's due. They've, they've done some good work, and in some of the previous shows we've talked about some of the reasons why they're sort of catching up in terms of marketability because of some different things that they do. Um but this past weekend, Dana White did something that really ruffled my feathers, and I, I want to talk about it now and bounce it off of you. They were they had a pay-per-view event this weekend, which they have a pay-per-view event every weekend, but <laughs> that's, that's part of why they're getting a little bit oversaturated. But Amanda Nunez, who is um, arguably their top female right now in, in the sport, was supposed to be in the main event. She, uh, she pulled out of the main event, I believe on the day of, maybe the, the night before the fight or whatever. It says illness sinus problems headaches whatever maybe she said she wasn't able to fight whatever she's never done this before we're going to take her at her word she wasn't able to go okay dana white has been on social media and on every talk show willing to have him slamming amanda nunez saying look i'm never going to have this this woman in the paper in the main event of a pay-per-view again uh yada yada you know she did this to me once she's not going to do it to me again and i just think that this is quite frankly excuse my language i think this is bullshit because True. This this is the same Dana White who protected Ronda Rousey while she was hiding in a closet for almost two years after getting her first loss, and they still came back and made her this big star and this top draw. And then even after she lost again, they would they would still run her out into the main event. I just think Amanda, Amanda Nunez is being penalized because she's not a looker like maybe some of the other females in the division are, and I think they're doing her unfair. I think she's maybe the most gifted female they've had. And I think that they're treating her really unfairly right now. I disagree. Disagree? I, I have, uh, I don't know if you, anybody knows my history or whatnot. Um, I have promoted some fights and I've match made a ton of fights. Mm -hmm. Dealing with professional fighters is an absolute pain in the rear end. Sure, sure. Uh, you get the guys that are, uh, they commit to something, they sign paperwork. And look, the, the Louisiana State Boxing and Wrestling Commission, they do a fantastic job of backing up promoters once that paperwork is signed and, and filled out. But I've had situations that people come to the weigh-in, and I'm look, I'm not an MMA guy, so I did not follow this story uh, very much until mm -hmm. we said we were going to talk about it. Showed up to the weigh-in, was perfectly fine at the weigh-in. Then come the next day, hey, look, you got to be there at 5. Well, 5.10 rolling around, hey, where are you? Well, I'm not coming tonight. I got a head cold. So you just <laughs> developed a head cold? And, you know, and I've done the same thing that, that, that Dana White has done. Now, I've gone to a little bit better. Uh, I've gone more, ex a little bit, how do I say it, more, uh, more extensive punishment. I've gone to the point where I just didn't use a guy anymore if he, right. if he did that. You no-show, uh, sign contract bout, or you show up, you weigh in, and then you don't want to fight the next day. Dana White called her scared uh, in, a, in, a, in a couple interviews. I got to agree. Well, you know what's if the doctor clears you pre-fight the doctor clears you way in day you look perfectly fine 
you could use my hotel room. You could eat my my meal passes that I my meal vouchers that I give you. And you show up to the fight and you say, ah, I'm not, I'm not, can't do it. Something's fishy right there. I just think it's 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 unfair. You know, look, it's a crappy situation. There's no doubt about that. But how many times is Bone Jones going to burn them and still get into the main event? How many times is Rousey going to get knocked out in 30 seconds and she'll still be in the main event? Look, stuff happens. This is a sport where a lot of things have happened in the past and. They've given people a second, third, and fourth chances. Nunez is favored heavily in Vegas. I don't know that she necessarily fears her opponent or anything like that. We'll see. She says she's willing to fight the same woman in a month or two months whenever this thing clears, whatever it is that she has. We'll see. I just thought that it was a little bit hypocritical for her. You know, it's a sport that has given so many second chances for this lady. This is the first time she does this to, to not be given the benefit of the doubt. And look, Dana White is a, a stranglehold on MMA. And there's no doubt uh, of that fact. You, it's not you could go well Dana White's going dog me here well you probably got a contract with him for X amount of fights and X amount of years it's not you could go to you can't go to WCW anymore and, and try to make your name <laughs> over there you're going to go fight in your hometown and just hope you know hope for a bigger payday it, that's it, that's the monopoly that, that MMA is right now do you think he realizes yet that he's not getting Conor McGregor back yeah because you know exactly where he's going yeah, he's going to be on Monday Night Raw yeah. after this, right? I mean, the, the the allure of once you taste that big $60, 70000000 million payday, you're not going back and getting, you know, three or four or five, whatever he's getting in UFC. He's going to go and take the Lesnar schedule and maybe even be in Lesnar's and in, in Heyman's stable. We'll more about, you know, that in a minute, I guess. But I think that's interesting. I think that's one of the underrated things that people aren't talking about with this Mayweather-McGregor thing is that, I don't think he. I think he's done with MMA. I don't think he's going back. I think he's going to get that big money, and I think that he's going to look to movies and entertainment and, and this kind of wrestling gimmicky sideshow thing. I don't think he's going to be in, in the octagon ever again. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna use this as a springboard to to bigger and better things and easier things. Not have to go get you know uh, knocked out in four rounds gloves. Instead, you could just kind of get on a Brock Lesnar schedule, like you said, show up six work six times a year and get the same amount of money. And then do uh, TV shows and movies and whatnot during your off time. Speaking of Brock Lesnar, we're going to take a break. But when we get back, we're going to talk some WWE. They had a big pay-per-view. We're going to also talk Elite Championship Wrestling. They had a show. want to apologize up front. We promised you Mustang Mike earlier in the show. We're having all kinds of hell with our Skype. But we will get you Mustang Mike later this week before their show this weekend in Morgan City. We promise. So keep it right here. We've got a quick break. You're listening to one more round. We got some wrestling talk for the last about 20 minutes of the show. Here comes the. Here comes the. Here comes the. Y'all don't really want it like Yeah. Here comes the. No. Here comes the. Here comes the. Y'all don't really want it like Yeah. Here comes the. No. Here comes the.
Lil' mama claims she want a soldier. Not the type be in the tank, but in that rover. Man, please, I'm in the zone like AIDS full blown. I'm killing it like a blind man reading. I'm feeling it like, oh, yeah. Here comes the, oh, here comes the, oh, here comes the, oh, And welcome back to one more round. Casey Just Clear and Damien St. Pierre here. We want to give a shout out to Mello working the uh, computer as always. Uh, Mello's had a tough night tonight trying to get our Sky Pro, but we'll get our equipment in line. There's no doubt about that. Under the bus. Under the bus. <laughs> um, we had the uh, last segment was talking some boxing, local boxing, the national boxing. Um, now we're going to talk some local wrestling and then some mainstream wrestling as. Uh, you had the opportunity to go to Elite Championship Wrestling Show. Our guy, Brady and Landry, uh, had two clients in sort of the co-main event, so to speak. Um, from what I understand, he had a 50-50 split. I guess give us a rundown of how the card went. And then, um, yeah, look, man, be honest. I think DJ and, and the promoters out there would want this. Uh, be honest. What, what grade would you give them the show? What are some things they could do better? And what are some things that, that you really liked uh, that, that you saw out there? Let me just tell you, I was. We brought a, a whole uh, mess of people out there. You know, it's always a good time to go out to support some local wrestling. Entertaining, you know, very entertaining. Especially for we we end up with uh, ten dollars seats, and we were right on top of the action. Very yeah. very entertaining. Uh, first match tonight was Purple Haze against Cherry Ramones, who the crowd just hates. <laughs> uh, that was a, a good back and forth battle. Uh, Second match saw Gregory James against a professional, and that was a no contest. Odinson, a guy that Brett Landry talked to us about and had it was very right on the money. He came in and destroyed both guys and F10 Gregory James. He almost hit the top of the East Park Recreation. What is center. an F10? It's close to an F5, but he kind of spins around and throws him a little higher. Okay. I, I guess. Okay. And then, uh, Next match was for the, the Elite Championship Wrestling Junior Heavyweight title. One of my favorite guys, Rob Love from Texas. He does a tremendous job getting the crowd worked up into a frenzy. They they hate him there. He, he beat uh, Blake Wilder to keep the title. Uh, after that, the Women's Championship was defended between uh, Jazz and Robin Reed. Robin Reed submitted uh, fairly quickly. Uh, fifth match tonight was for the Elite Championship Wrestling Heavyweight title. Rodney Mack. Uh, that's where Brett Landry went 50-50. He defeated Odinson uh, via a quick uh, roll-up pin. Odinson was kind of distracted on the outside, and uh, Rodney Mack took advantage of that. According to social media, Brett Landry not happy about that oh, who result. That? And he <laughs> is working on a rematch to uh, hopefully can make that happen. Then the last match, which was the Thunderdome, which was interesting. Yeah, it, I thought they did a tremendous job of not taking any extra intermissions. I know a lot of wrestling events, maybe two or three matches they'll have an intermission, and two or three more they'll have an intermission right before the main event. They'll have another one. They knew that it would take some time to get the cage up. Mm -hmm. So they did, a, they did a good job of running through the action, and right before the main event, they gave a, a decent, you know, just enough time to get the to get the cage up. Uh, so setting the cage up, you got a chair in one corner hanging from one side, a tennis racket on the other corner, a rope hanging on the other corner, and a kindle stick hanging uh, on, in the other corner. It was a gruesome match. All four, bloody, uh, beat up. And it was, again, another entertaining match. The the Dirty Blondes, they could go. They're some big guys. And then, of course, they took, just to, just to get everything out there, they took on the Metal Riot squad who were uh, coming in as the 
come in and try to win back the, the tag team championship. Uh, the ending saw John Saxon get hit by his partner Ryan Ocean with a kick accidentally. Then Saxon was kind of tied up by the ankle with the, the rope that was hanging while Odinson and Brett Landry hung on from the outside. So it was a two-on-one battle between <laughs> the Dirty Blondes and uh, Ryan Ocean, and they, they uh, took care of Ryan Ocean to, to win the bout. What happened after the bout? Listen, they did a tremendous job of this because, you know, right after something like that happens, people just kind of walk out. The music was still playing, but they still – the Dirty Blondes exited pretty quickly and Ryan Ocean was still down, and John Saxon was trying to help him up, and he did a good they, – they timed it well. The timing on the on the, on the the situation was, was nice. They kind of waited a second. The music was still playing, but not too long. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, John Saxon raised up Ryan Ocean uh, and leveled him. Wow. So he kind of took the heel turn right there, and Saxon looked like he – just went insane. He was talking about how he's been carrying Ocean for the, for his entire career. Now his career is over because he's not going to be with them anymore. Of course, did a good job of trashing Homer, which is always easy to do. <laughs> and that was the end of the show. I thought it was a good, entertaining show. Uh, they're going to be back September 3rd at East Park Recreation Center with this. This is kind of exciting with the Rock and Roll Express. Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton going to be in the East Homer, uh, East Park Recreation Center on September 3rd. That's really cool. And, and one thing that, that Elite does well, and I, I was not at the show and you were, but one thing that they do well is I remember going to these these independent shows as a kid, and every show was independent of the other. Sometimes one guy was a good guy and one guy was a bad guy, and then the next show maybe the roles were reversed and you didn't know how it changed up. They do a good job carrying their storylines over, and I think that what, what you're talking about there at the end They've already sort of set the stage for their next couple of main events and their next big feuds, and I think that's one thing that the, the bookers there do a pretty good job of is getting that flow and, and getting some of that buildup, and that's one thing that I think that, you know, not to let a cat out of the bag, we're going to try to help them with as well, having some of the guys on, on the, the podcast and maybe even at some of the shows as well is taking some of those stories and pushing them forward, getting them out there through social media and everything and really building themselves up. Yeah, I think they do a good job of using social media to expand those storylines, and that's big. That keeps people coming. If, if you know people want to see what is going to happen in the next show with Ryan Ocean and John Saxon, John Saxon, see what they're going to do, see what Ocean's going. That's what wrestling's about: keeping the the it, the the attention of the fans and keeping them in, keeping them entertained, and keeping them coming back. And listen, uh, you know, DJ does a good job of, of getting his guys out there. We're gonna, like you said, we're gonna try to help him out with that. And I'm, I'm very, very excited to be able to uh, kind of partner up with with Elite Championship Wrestling and do some post show type yeah. of things. To maybe, you know, once we, uh, once we get our stuff going with our live, we'll do some live video and some live interviews. And I think that'll help them out. And look, I'm, I'm giddy about it. I'm a big time wrestling fan. I, I was off for a long time, but uh, I'm, I'm back and I'm, I'm like a kid again. There you go. And, and you touch briefly now on a different local wrestling company, as we'll have him on later in the week. But uh, what must things call himself now? Gulf Coast Wrestling, is it? Uh, he is actually part of the NWA, so now it's NWA Gulf Coast Wrestling. Okay, NWA Gulf Coast Wrestling. And, and they're going to have Jerry Lawler this coming weekend in Morgan City. And whenever I saw the headline, I was thinking, man, that, that's, that's freaking awesome. Jerry Lawler is a guy that I've been watching. He's been a favorite of mine for a long time. Um, 
I guess I'll, I'll just throw a dart at you right out of the out of the blue. We didn't prepare for this, but what's that one guy from your childhood that you would like to see at an indie show now? Maybe it's is still out there. Maybe isn't still out there. Who's that one guy? Because Lawler is one of them for me. Somebody that I haven't seen, or or just in general, just that one guy that when you see his name on the poster, it gets your attention automatically. <laughs> it's hard for me to miss a hacksaw Jim Duggan. There you go. Show. If he's on the card, there's there's a hundred percent chance I'm going. So you were a hacksaw guy as a kid. Listen, hacksaw, uh, just all all those mids out. Junkyard, junkyard dog, hacksaw. Uh, the name slipped my Jake the Snake Roberts, uh, Ted DiBiase. Those guys. That that's my guys, man. If I see any, if I see any of those guys anywhere on any type of card, I'm I'm going to check them out. As you get a little older, you you know the memories of your childhood obviously get more and more fuzzy. But I will forever remember the day that just south of here. Junkyard Dog was at the old Adams Piggly Wiggly and Golden Medal signing autographs and signing posters before a Mid-South show. I will remember that day for the rest of my life, getting a chance to shake his hand. And I remember walking, you know, going to school the next day or whatever, and I was like the the big king of the classroom. Man, that guy got a picture with the Junkyard Dog or whatever. It's just one of those things that that's the thing that indie wrestling can do that WWE can't really do because, you know, it, they, they're more personable. You could go out there, you could pat the guys on the back, you could shake their hand. And at the shows, they get some of the guys in the ring during intermissions for pictures and everything. It, it's more personable, and I think that it leaves a lasting memory on you. Yeah, and then especially once they get done with the, you know, once they're kind of out of the spotlight, they're, they're kind of on their way down and towards retirement. They come back and, and revisit the indie scene. Like uh, every year, uh, Mustang gets with, I'm not He'll better tell us a little bit more in our next podcast of who he gets with. And they bring a big-time show to the Morgan City Auditorium. Yeah. And last year, they brought Kevin Nash. And I know a bunch of buddies of mine, we went out and uh, we, we ate, uh, had a few adult beverages, and then, you know, went and enjoyed a wrestling show. And we got there early. We got to take a picture with Kevin Nash, which if you're watching on YouTube feed, Casey can put in right about now. Now. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, he – he sat there. He was he was cool, as, uh, you know, as anybody else. He said, "Man, I wish I could manage you guys in the six man tag." By the way, that's my Kevin Nash impression. Uh, you know, they're gonna do the same thing at five thirty. Uh, Mustang Mike and, and his crew is gonna set up a meet and greet with Jerry Lawler, which I'm sure will be there, uh, waiting in line like twelve year old kids waiting to take a picture. Just be a kid again, man. That's something that uh, that you know is priceless. So. WWE, now the, the national guys, the big boys, they had a, a pay-per-view. If, I guess they're still called pay-per-views with the network. Special event. Special event, yeah. They, it was a, a special name, too. Great Balls of Fire was was uh, last night. Um, interesting show. Why not um, just use Great American Bash? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. But I guess because we're laughing and giggling about the use of Great Balls of Fire, so they got our attention, I guess. But... One thing that, and I didn't even notice this until, you know, I was watching the show with my nephew, and, and he's the one who pointed it out. We were five or six matches in. He said, hey, the Heels won every match. And really, if you look at it, the Heels sort of swept the card, man. You got Bray Wyatt beating Seth Rollins. Cass, I guess, now is sort of the heel in that Enzo feud. Sheamus and Cesaro win. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Sasha Banks wins, but Bliss keeps the title, so that's like a win. The Miz wins. Strowman beats Reigns. Uh, the Heath Slater match wasn't aired, but then at the end, Lesnar, yeah, you know, I guess he's sort of the face there. But it was interesting to see a lot of the, the guys that you would think the company's trying to push, some of the, the faces, Ambrose, Reigns, all those guys fell last night. I think it was interesting to see Rollins. You know, a lot of those faces dropped last night. Yeah, let me tell you something that stuck out with me, and it, it, I'm having uh, an interest in 
the Big Cass and Enzo feud. Mm-hmm. That brings back, to me, old school memories. I have a five-year-old daughter, and she watches wrestling with me. Nah, not religiously, but she knows the taglines. You know, she has fun with it. That brings me. Do you remember feeling as a kid when you saw the Rockers break up? When, yeah. When Marty Jannetty got thrown through the playground, it affected the, the glass me. Yeah. window, and then uh, you know the Hart Foundation. Uh, actually, last night I got home pretty late, decently late from uh, the Elite Championship Wrestling match, so I watched the end of the pay per view and I restarted. So my wife and I were actually watching uh, Big Kaz and Enzo. And she's like, I can't believe this has happened. I'm, she's like, <laughs> like she was pretty, like she was pretty sad about it. It's just stuff like that. That that's good storylines right there. And you're anxious to see how those two are gonna break off from each other. Everybody knows that uh, McMahon has a, a big uh, heart for those big guys, and gonna, he's gonna, I'm sure he's gonna push Kaz in every which way he can. Uh, the she- Sheamus and Cesaro versus the Hardy Boys half an hour battle was actually not as bad as we made it out to seem which I don't know if it possibly could be. Uh, I thought the Hardys did a good job of, of entertaining people. I thought that was a good match. Uh, Matt Hardy. No. Jeff. Who's the dark-haired guy? Hardy. Uh, Matt's the one who got the busted eye last that's what, night. Yeah, that's what, what happened there. I don't know when it happened, but, man, he was a bloody mess. And, and, and WWE.com posted a video. He had to get nine stitches over his eye. I don't know where it happened. And that, that segues into something that I wanted to talk about because – WWE for a long time had, oh, bro, there's no blood. This is PG. Then this happens, and they didn't try to cover it up too, too badly. And then after the whole ambulance thing with Strowman and Reigns, Strowman was bloodied up as well. And that, and obviously that was 100% stage where the Hardy thing was just kind of happened. So maybe they're kind of going a little bit closer to the PG-13, a little bit farther away from the PG. They're trying to maybe bring a little bit of blood back, which I think would be a good move on their part. I think with the ratings so low right now, they're trying pretty much anything to be able to bring a few people back to watch. That ambulance match, what, what were you? Th- I thought the finish was not that great with uh, Reigns missing the spear, which if you're going to spear somebody, you might want to have him in that kind of spot before you take <laughs> off running at him. He just totally missed uh, Strowman and went right into the ambulance. The after aftermath of that what what's your what's your take on that well first just talk about the match in general um Braun Strowman to me is must watch tv I don't ever know what he's going to break during a match or what he's going to destroy during the match he always keeps me interested he's not the greatest worker but I he he always entertains me but after the match um I don't know I mean I I guess it depends what happens next you know um is is this going to be the start of a more heelish evil type of Roman Reigns if so I think that'd be something that wrestling fans have been wanting for eternity really um and if they they push it down that line it could be a career changing type of night for Roman something that he could desperately benefit from and then on the other hand it is the the curious thing for me was I I thought that the original plan was going to be Strowman Lesnar SummerSlam but I don't know that there's any finality between Roman and and Strowman now I think that they're going to be in line for one more match so i does this mean that lesnar and samoa joe are going to battle again well like i don't i don't know what the SummerSlam plan is anymore i i really think it's going to be lesnar and samoa joe again which i think we're going to find out tonight we are recording this on monday night it's 10 o'clock but we haven't watched anything uh but i believe they're going to go back again they made it a pretty competitive match where uh, Lesnar just kind of caught Samoa Joe off guard with the F5 and, and was able to finish him, which was really cool about that. There weren't 
I didn't count. I don't sit there taking notes. You know, I try to enjoy the match. We get a lot of false finishes. Yeah. And it gets old. And there wasn't a – I don't believe there was one false finish in that match. It was a finishing move, and it was done. That's the way wrestling's supposed to be. You can't kick out of a man's finisher multiple times and still have that relevant for the next match. Here's one thing, and look, maybe this is just me making something up. Um, Which we do. <laughs> um, as Lesnar's walking back down into the you know the backstage area last night, and Samoa Joe's laying in the ring. Heyman was sort of in between the two. He kept looking back at the ring, sort of in surprise, and looking back at Samoa Joe, looking back at Samoa Joe. Heyman is very aware of his character and very aware of how he's presenting himself. If these two guys wrestle again at SummerSlam, he's turning on Lesnar and going with Samoa Joe. I, that's my belief. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's just a stab that I'm taking that's going to be way wrong. But I don't think you make these two guys wrestle again at SummerSlam just to have the same result. And I don't think that they're going to make Samoa Joe beat Lesnar clean at any point in time. I think that we're about to get a big swerve here. I, I didn't really think about that, but that's definitely a possibility. Melo, write down that timestamp so when it happens, we can play it back. Yeah, it would be something that's that, that worth paying attention to. Now, the Miz and Ambrose, that's tired. I mean, that they've been wrestling one another for four months now. One thing that is not tired, though, is... Um, I like that he's got some lackeys now, Axel and Bo Dallas. And one thing, they had this whole little after-the-show thing where it's almost like talking smack, except it was Raw's version of it. And I, I watched a little bit of it. And The Miz, um, I love that WWE creative gives him the ability to blend reality in some of the promos that he cuts. And, you know, talking smack, he was always very personal with Daniel Bryan. And then last night after the pay-per-view he said look the reason why i took bo dallas and curtis axel is because these are two of the most talented guys on the roster and wwe's not doing anything with them so i'm going to do something with them and then you know he was just kind of talking about how they've had bad gimmicks and bad luck and this that and the other and i thought that was sort of an interesting thing um axel his character kind of sucks but in the ring he's okay bo dallas is sort of the opposite his character is always fairly interesting but in the ring you kind of get squashed I'm curious to see where this now goes. Yeah, I'm glad they're using both of the guys. What is Bo Dallas wearing? He is getting trolled <laughs> by the internet community right now. They're 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 reckoning him to the one man gang right now. I, he's always to me. He's always entertaining. I think that he is he he's not used in the right way. And I think if he was, that he could be. I don't think he could be a top level guy, but he could be a mid to top level guy. So did you get a chance now to see the, all of the show? I I watched most all of it. Listen. I watch uh, WWE with my fast-forward button ready to roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just certain stuff that I don't want to watch. Right, right. Um, right. I was watching it last night, and, and I thought, all things considered, I, I thought the buildup for the show was terrible. So I came in with really low expectations, but I, I ended the show, you know, yeah, yeah, it wasn't so bad. I thought that this was one of the better Raw pay-per-views we've had in a while. I, I, yeah, I, I thought the main event was built well. Yeah, uh, it got me one to watch, and I just so happened to walk in right at the right time, I, right when Reigns uh, missed that spear, which I did the air quote, and I got to see the aftermath of that, of that, and and then I also got to see the championship match, which I did. You got to see a little bit of Slater and Hawkins right there. Yeah, that was weird. That was just weird. I don't know why you do that to them guys. You bring them out there and then just have the camera on the ambulance the whole time. But so, something that bothered me. 
and I didn't really rec- I didn't really notice it till you today. may be going to the same place I was about to go. Where was Finn Balor? The exact same question. I'm I was not about a, to ask. I'm not a Finn Balor fan by any stretch, but he is over big time. Where that's a very misused misused card right there. You can't have Hawkins and Slater on a Raw. I mean, the whole point of splitting the brands was, oh, bro, we're gonna get more pay per view time for these guys now, and then not have Finn Balor on your card at all. I don't know where necessarily he would have fit into the mix. Was I mean, the matches were what they were. But, hell, in this Miz-Ambrose thing, feud him against Miz, feud him against Ambrose, feud him against anybody. you got to have this guy on the card. He's one of the top five or ten wrestlers in the world to just not appear on a special, you know, a specific Raw pay-per-view. That's inexcusable, man. They've got to find a way to get him on there. Yeah, you could have easily rode him into a triple threat match with Rain, with uh, excuse me, with Ambrose and the Miz for that Intercontinental Championship. Now maybe they didn't want they maybe didn't want to keep the belt on the Miz, and they don't want Balor losing. But you got to find some way to get him on that card, even even if it's against uh, the Drifter. Anything, throw, anything. You know, throw him in there. Opening match doesn't matter. You got to showcase that that type of talent. So really briefly, we're about to wrap up here. We want to thank everybody for listening. We're going to keep it rolling, but. Um, they got the SmackDown pay-per-view in two weeks. Any chance Rusev beats Cena? No, right? No, absolutely okay. no. Any chance that Orton takes the title off of Jinder Mahal? I, I don't want to see it happen. I, I really don't think it was going to happen. Listen, I wore my Jinder Mahal shirt last night to <laughs> Elite Championship Wrestling. I got some pretty weird looks. I'm sure you did. Yeah. Now, what do you make of this whole AJ Styles winning the United States Championship thing? Man, that was kind of awkward. Like it. Is Kevin Owens in some kind of trouble, or yeah, did he do something bad? He, he did get it back. Okay, he did. Uh, he's gotten uh, it back. Yeah, the last uh, WWE house show, he did get it back. Okay, so this is the old indie show swerve. You win it in from, one guy's hometown, and okay. Yeah, from what I gather, he won the title at Madison Square Garden. They are about to release a DVD on AJ Styles, and they kind of wanted to give that a little bit more uh, push and give him a little more credibility while they were doing while before the release of the DVD. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah, that, that sounds good. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll kind of wrap it up on that note. We're going to talk a little bit as we go on here in the summer about glow. You and I have watched the, that series. Now we're going to have actually one of the characters on here, uh, Brittany young. Um, she is committed to coming on with us a little later in the week or maybe next week, whenever her schedule is free. Um, that's going to be an exciting time. I, I know that it, I've watched the full 10-episode run. You've watched five or six of them, you said. Uh, we're, we're trying to get Mello hooked on it as well. Just briefly, man, what are your thoughts as you watch that show? That seems to be um, something that I, it certainly can't hurt wrestling today. Wrestling's uh, the popularity's kind of dropped a little bit. To have it on Netflix in a situation where so many people could see it, I know that it, it's introduced the sport to a whole new audience. Yeah, it, it's entertaining, and like I've, I've I've made I've said that word three times now. It's just that anytime you could get a program like that based on a wrestling uh, that has a wrestling background, I know they're not going move for move right. with the with the, the program, but you just get people interested in it. And you get people, well, this wrestling stuff's kind of interesting. You know, you start watching, and hopefully, you could you just grasp on to to be able to appreciate the the entertainment. Yep, we recommend it definitely. We're going to sign off here. Well, we Casey, before we sign off, go ahead. I got to I got to thank everyone for that's listening to our podcast. No matter how you listen to it, our via our Facebook page, one more round studios, uh, follow us on Twitter. We have some interesting tweets. Uh, that's <laughs> that's worth the follow just for the entertainment. And, and you can reach us at uh, the word one o n e underscore more round. Search us on YouTube, one more round studios, and Podbean. That is the easiest way to get it. Go get download the Podbean app. 
at onemorround.podbean.com and subscribe. I want to thank Casey. Uh, Casey has got us some tremendous guests lined up. I'm very excited to be able to be a part of uh, this program. Get on now because I got a feeling that we are about to be very, uh, very successful in our in our new venture. Amen, brother. We're going to be teasing a lot of those guests here in the next couple of days, so uh, be sure to check those out. And uh, we make it as easy as possible for you guys to be able to listen. Now, one one uh, we we take feedback is, is one thing. You know, uh, we posted a couple of episodes early, and people were saying, well. You know, I'm, I'm trying to listen to one certain thing. Where can I find it? So now we break it down minute by minute. Hey, zero through 21 minutes. It's NBA talk. You'll be able to find what you're interested in more easily. Now we want to make it as easy as possible for you guys. But again, I echo what Damien said. Uh, thanks to everybody for the growth we've had so far. And we're going to keep pushing. We're going to sign off here. We're going to be back later in the week. Um, we're going to have some more wrestling, NBA, whatever it is that you guys are talking about. We'll be talking about it as well. So good night, guys. Thank <laughs> you.